0: Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Is it Monday already? How can it be Monday already? But it is. <laughs> If you're in the U.S., I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and wow, this year, Thanksgiving was so late, we are crashing right into Christmas, so it's already December, my head's spinning. Um, (laughs) But this year was an extra fun holiday season because my good friend, Tamri Etherton, who you're going to hear from in just a minute, is back in town. She's kind of... she has multiple countries now But she's from San Diego So I know her and we've written together before But then she moved to Scotland And anyway she's been back visiting And while she was here I said Oh you have to come on Book Lights Because she had a new book out So if you have never read Tamarie Etherton yet You're in for a treat And I will read her bio here for you If you aren't familiar Tamarie Etherton is the award winning author Of the Song of Swords fantasy series As a born storyteller Tamarie Tam- Mary grew up inventing fictional worlds where the impossible was possible. It's been said that she leaves a trail of glitter in her wake as she creates new adventures for her kick-ass heroines and the rogues who steal their hearts. She lives an enchanted life traveling the world with her very own Prince Charming. And Tamari does love to chat with readers, so I did put a link to her Facebook page and also to her Twitter. Um, It's right there on the Blog Talk site if you want to click it. Um, There's also a link to join her newsletter. She gives you all kinds of cool behind the scenes type things and cover reveals, so be sure to sign up there. And without any further ado, Tamari, are you there? Got your glitter? I am. I've got my glitter. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad you could come on before you trek back over to Scotland. You told me you're leaving like in a couple days, right?
1: Yeah, we go back on Wednesday. I can't believe it. We've been here five weeks and it just went so fast.
0: It so really fast. did. It believe zoomed I- by. I can't believe you're leaving already.
1: We are leaving and going back to so cold weather. Like it's in. Been- beautiful in southern california the the days of rain we had i was so excited because that felt like home to me again because i'm not
0: used to all this sun and the heat (laughs) you're now a scottish person you're used to the gloomy rain
1: yeah i think so and you know what though that is a misnomer that a lot of people get wrong it's not raining every day in scotland we have gorgeous blue sky days but it's like 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it'll oh be beautiful gosh. and cold.
0: Yeah, and freezing. It yeah. Rain every day. Yikes.
1: And freezing. Okay. I now own more coats than I ever thought I'd own. In California, I had one coat. In Scotland, I think I had 20 because you have different different coats for different things.
0: You know. That's right. You have to you still have to blend.
1: <laughs> you really do. And layers are your friend. I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, yeah.
0: <laughs> their thing. Well, you have a new book out called Sunset She Fights. And yep. um, when everyone sees this cover, it's not often that you see a cover with a green heroine on it. Um, can you tell everybody about your book?
1: Yeah. So this is a fairy tale retelling um, based loosely on a an ogre that people may know and love. And um, what happens is she was cursed. And every sunset, she turns into an ogress, and she hates it and resents it. And the whole book is about her coming to terms with, well, what can the ogress give her? What can she give the ogress, and how can she live in harmony with this curse? And, um, you know, things go awry. She has a little, a little talking cat companion named Pora who is hilarious and likes to stab her with the uh, pointy tip of his sword.
0: And is there a romance in it, too? Yes. Thank you for asking that, because I got off
1: on four, and I <laughs> forgot
0: about the romance. So a <laughs> prince
1: comes to her. Uh, she's living in her castle. Her, her mom is the Duchess of the the Duchy. And a prince comes to her, her castle on his own quest and says, hey, I can use her as an excuse to get back to my, my beautiful palace and not be out on the road anymore, because he does, he's not really an adventurer. And she has to hide the fact from him that she turns into a, an ogress every sunset. But what happened is when he was first coming, um, he was in the, the forest and wolves attacked. And this gorgeous green creature saved him from the wolves. So he's kind of smitten with this gorgeous green ogress and doesn't realize that it's, it's rain. And the, the very shy, um, proper lady at this, this um, castle that he has stumbled upon. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what I've done <laughs> is
1: I tied I tied this book into um two other series that I have. So the Theo, who is the prince who stumbles into her castle, he is actually the brother to Saren who is the hero of my fatal face series. And so I'm dovetailing the timelines between that and also he has something to do with the elf race, which I call the Aleri in my um, Song of the Swords fantasy series. So they all are interconnected and the characters kind of pop in and out and have something to do with each story where they also have their own main stories in their own series. And it's been so much fun. I call it my etherverse because they're all touching on each other. And then what I've done is I've created a pub called the Sugly Dragon and the pub is going to be in all the different universes. Of the books that I write, and so um, different characters will go to the Sugley Dragon, but it's technically the same pub, just in different worlds. And I'm having does, is it that.
0: like? It, does the pub travel? Is it an interdimensional pub? It is an
1: interdimensional pub. It doesn't travel, but it is doorways between the worlds. And so, oh, okay. um but. The Epic Fantasy series is a portal series and so they go through they literally go through a doorway into a new world and I have that in the Fatal Fae series too, that they can travel between worlds and between places. And so the Fae go between fairy and human realm through these doorways. And so the Shugly Dragons through nice. those doorways. Yeah. It's fun. Oh, I love can it. We keep track of it all kind of gives me a little bit of a headache i have like these charts and these graphs and these maps like okay which one was here and which one was here and what color is it because i make up different ribbons and, and different colors for the different um series and oh my gosh why am i doing this, <laughs> this
0: is crazy. It's <laughs> well since you brought it up you have these other two series too the song of swords and the fatal Fay. and you just yeah. said that they're sort of connected right do they right. go together?
1: They, okay, they don't go together because they are definitely their own world. But in book one, um, Fatal Illusion of the Fatal Fey, Taryn, who is the heroine of the Song of Swords series, she shows up in a vision that Rory, the, the heroine of Fatal Illusion, is having. And Rory's not sure if she's real or not. And so Taryn is definitely going to play a part in Rory's future of those books, and then it's also setting up after um, after the Song of the Swords series ends, which hopefully will be in 2020, there's going to be <laughs> a trilogy that is about the villain of Song of the Swords coming back to Earth, and it's a dystopian Earth that's what's the fallout from the Fatal Illusion, Fatal Fae series. So complicated. Oh, my gosh. I just confused myself. Wow. Our listeners are like, What? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Everybody's going, oh, I need a chart. (laughs) I
1: know. I'm telling you, I have charts. I have spreadsheets and I have charts. And and I don't know how people can understand this. I need to put it on my website and, like, explain it because I don't get it. I need to keep myself on track.
0: (laughs) I like planning. I like
1: spreadsheets.
0: From what I gathered from your website, the Song of Swords is more like epic fantasy and the Fatal Day is more like urban fantasy. Am I right?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And so there are some readers who are like, okay, I don't like urban fantasy, so I'm not going to cross over. And that's fine. You don't have to read the different series to know what's going on. You can read Fatal Illusion and be like, okay, that Karen character is kind of weird, but whatever. I'm into I'm into Rory and and so I'm just going to ignore Karen. And that's fine. But hopefully people will be like, hey, who's Karen? I'll go read these.
0: Yeah. And... For you, has it always been fantasy? Is that what you always read? Is it, you know, it's what you write, but is that, has it always been fantasy for you? Is that your first love?
1: Yeah, it really, really is. I started out reading fantasy, um, gosh, super young. And then I really got hardcore into historicals. Um, Josephine Tay's Daughter of Time got me super interested in the Richard the Third mystery, like what happened to the princes in mm-hmm. the tower, And then I read that Sharon K. Penman has um, a really wonderful series where Eleanor, Queen Eleanor back in 1100s, I think, she hires this man to be her spy, and he's like a bastard. And so he goes in and out of high society, and it's just – it's called The Queen's Man, and it's a whole series. I got really into those, and I started reading Philippa Gregory and Alison Weir Hardcore into those, and then cause to me those were still fantasy because it was it was history, but they weren't really the writers weren't really there, so they're making stuff up, and and I really loved it, and it was like okay, they're they're creating this world, I can do that, and then really went deep diving into um Anne Rice in my early twenties, David Eddings and Anne Rice. Yeah, me me super, too. Anne
0: four. Rice
1: fist bump. Is <laughs> you yeah. We know because we met her together. Um, uh-huh.
0: I, never laid in
1: front of her, I never laid in front of her her limo, but I came close. But um, she, and, she and David Eddings were really the ones that I was reading them, and I lived in this little studio in Hollywood. Um, we're talking tiny. And I was sitting there one day, and I thought I could do this because I wrote, like, forever. I always wrote, and I was on, like, the newspaper at, in my high school, but I never really – Said, I'm going to be a writer I always thought I had to do something sensible like be a teacher because all my family was right teachers. and and I just remember having a moment thinking I can do this I can tell stories like this and that's when Taryn was kind of born and I I just started thinking what if what if there's a woman who was raised on earth but then she's taken to this whole other world and finds out that you know she's got a family and she's got powers and what would she do what would she think what was the world like and and then I'm here talking to you about books. <laughs> Although really and that took about so, 20 years.
0: Right. Well, that was what I was going to ask next is everybody always wonders, you know, what, what the writing journey was like, but for you, it was like an evolution, right? Because you weren't, Yeah. I mean, when did you really get serious and decide, okay, I'm going to go take classes and I'm going to make this happen.
1: Um, I'd always always been in classes, and my favorite class in high school was the Shakespeare class I took with um, an English lit, and my degree is in writing and literature, and so I've always been taking classes and always learning, and I still, even now, I take online classes all the time, because I don't think you ever stop learning, you never stop working on your craft, getting better, like, I don't know anybody who has written a book and said, okay, it's perfect, I don't need to learn anymore. I think we all right. keep striving.
0: I would like to, to be better. stagnant right now. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I would like to just be at my peak and there's nothing more to learn. And, and when I write, it's beautiful and perfect the first time. Um, see, but really, though, I took time to be a mom. And so I didn't write too much when my kids were little. Then, when my son was in third grade, he switched schools and he went to um, an IB school, an international baccalaureate. And they didn't need volunteers and until then i had been like the volunteer mama like I was the one who was there all day (laughs) doing all the parties and they said no we don't we don't need volunteers we've got it and I just kind of sat there for two months going who am I what am I and then I went I'm a writer I can write my book." and that's when I sat down and went I'm doing it and through two months starting you know chapter one to getting it published was seven years Wow. Yeah. I can be a fast writer, but then it's all the the editing and the revising, I just really take a long time and so I'm not as bad as George R. R. Martin, but I'm not a very quick publishing <laughs> author.
0: But, you know, that first book always seems like it takes most people a really long time because it's like your first marathon. You know, you you have to do all that training to get ready for it. And then once you figure out beginning, middle, end, then suddenly you go, hey, and you sort of get a rhythm. Do you Do you feel that?
1: Yeah, I I absolutely do. And also, I made the mistake of joining the wrong critique groups for me. I joined critique groups for uh-huh. people who don't read fantasy. And so I probably rewrote chapter one forty-two times trying to please everybody. And when I finally said, I need to please me first. And then I right. went to a conference. I went to the Southern California Writers Conference, and I met a wonderful man named Matt Palomari. And he, he read
0: uh-huh.
1: my first pages, and he said, okay, this is crap, but this is how you can fix it. And I thought, I love him. I love him so much, because he told me how, or he told me why it was crap, because before people were like, well, I don't like that, I don't like this, but they wouldn't say why, and so I didn't know what I was doing wrong, and he sat down, and, and he said, this is what you can do, and that was an epiphany for me, is, okay, I can fix this, and now I know how I have the tools, and then I Right,
0: didn't. right. Right, and I think for anyone listening who's just starting out or joined a crit group or whatever, when you're in a critique group, it's okay for you to walk away. Um, One of my first critique groups, um, we were going to meet every other week, and you were going to read everyone's pages and then bring your own, and by like three or four months in, I was the only one bringing pages back. And it's You want critique, you want feedback, but when you're the only one getting feedback from four other people, you leave defeated. <laughs> and and right. it took a while for me to give myself permission to walk away. You know, If it's not helping you, walk away because you do want a good critique group, but it takes a while to find that. So don't stu- be stuck with a critique group that's really not helping you.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. There are amazing critique groups out there. And then there are ones that just don't fit your needs. And so I loved what you said. Give yourself permission to walk away.
0: Right. It doesn't mean that yeah. you're you're you don't have thick skin and it doesn't mean that you're not gonna be a great writer. It just means that group wasn't a good fit and you just keep looking till you find the right one.
1: Exactly. And you know, that's kind of what you have to do with reviews too. If somebody leaves you a negative review or they say something, um in your reader group or or on Facebook or something, you just have to say, okay, this book didn't resonate with them. That's okay. Because we've all read Mm -hmm. a book where we thought, you know, I'm just not feeling this book right now. And we've put it down and we've walked away. It doesn't mean that writer's a bad writer. It doesn't mean the story was bad. It just meant for some reason it didn't resonate at that moment. And that's okay. And that's one of the hardest things I think it is for authors to do is to understand that not everybody is going to love your work. And that's fine.
0: Right, right. And it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. When I, uh, before my first book came out, I was so grateful that somebody on Twitter had posted a link to this author. And I wish I could remember her name, but I, I don't. She had written this blog, though, and she had 20 books out. And she wrote this blog called Not Everyone Likes Chocolate." And it was about that her husband actually hates chocolate. And she said, and when I wrapped my brain around that someone could hate nature's most perfect food, she said I also started to realize that, you know, if someone can hate chocolate, then some people are going to hate your book because people hate chocolate if so. You know, if nature's perfect food can be hated, no matter how well you edit, you try to make your book, there's going to be some people out there who don't like it. And that was hugely eye-opening for me just because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had never thought about it like that. But, Jesus, people can hate chocolate. Of course they're going to hate my book, right? And so it gave me a much better perspective as far as that goes because you're right. It doesn't resonate with everyone. Uh, and that's okay.
1: And that's okay. And I hear that and I'm like, what? How can somebody hate chocolate? I know, chocolate? right? But
0: how can they hate chocolate? Right. What's wrong with
1: them? <laughs> but then you know, <sighs> here's the thing to think of you go, okay, he hates chocolate. More for me.
0: Exactly. That's
1: one way of exactly. looking at it. More no, for me. I <laughs> hate for what me. He denies. That's right.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so what is what is next for you? You wrote a, a, an amazing ogre book and I love that cover with the green heroine on it. But but what's next? What are you working on now?
1: So what I need to do is I need to finish the Fatal Face series and I need to finish the Song of the Sword series. And that's my goal for 2020 is to get cuz Song of the Swords, those are big books. Those are 100,000 words plus. And um so I need to get two more of those written, and then three more in the fatal say. It's going to be a lot, but I'm hopeful, and I have a plan, and I have a schedule, and actually being in Scotland, I, my time is my own. Because in California, I have kids, I have family, I have lots of friends. Um, I have my husband in Scotland, and we have some friends that we don't do a lot, and so I can really buckle down and write. That's my goal for 2020 is to get these two series finished. And so then I can look at the rest of the etherverse and say, where are we going now? What drag dragon are we going to walk um, through today?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and you, these will be your first series that you're finished, that you're finishing, right?
1: Yes, yes. And my, my readers will be like, thank you, finally. Uh, because it's been
0: <laughs> a year since I've published
1: a book in the Song of the Swords. And when I look at that I go no way it hasn't been here but yeah it's been over a year and I feel kind of bad about that.
0: And so well just just prepare yourself <laughs> to have lots of Kleenex cuz I finished a few series and man it is really hard to say goodbye to all these characters that you love and um so so just emotionally prepare yourself I know readers sometimes feel that way too but man it's really hard for the writers because we live with them for so long and then and then you say goodbye and you're just like oh you're empty
1: (laughs) you know I totally know what you mean by that because I was thinking about the other day and there's this one character that I keep thinking what am I going to do with her and my heart is saying she has to die and my mind's like, or my mind is saying, "She has to die." And my heart saying, "No, no, please don't kill her," <laughs> no. because I don't want any of them to end. And I mean, I think that might be why I'm doing this whole Etherverse thing. Which every time I say that out loud, I kind of laugh because it sounds ridiculous. But I think it's so that my characters can live on in another series, another right. book. So I don't ever really have to say goodbye, because that is right. be so traumatic.
0: It it is traumatic. It's
1: hard. No, I'm sad. Thank you for making me think of
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> but just just you know, allow yourself to to you know know that that's going to be okay. Because yeah. because it is really hard, and that could be part of you know why you put it off is because you you know you just don't want to say goodbye.
1: Oh, you know absolutely. I think you you definitely have um, a, a point with that, that I am putting it off because it is hard to say. I'm not good with, I will do the Irish goodbye where I just leave. I don't say goodbye to people. I'm at a party and I will just be like, okay, I'm done. And I just quietly leave. So people don't even know if I'm there or not. I don't like goodbye. Oh, that's so funny. You just disappear. I know. I, you go ninja. It is really bad. I do. And people say ghost. I don't don't like it. I don't ghost you. I go ninja. That's what I'm going to say now. I just go ninja.
0: They just look around and go, Wasn't Tamara here? Where is she?
1: Yep. (laughs) And then they go looking for me and they're like, Oh, well, I guess she must have gone home. And I'm home in my jammies, like all (laughs) comfy. Because
0: that's my favorite way to be. Right? So who what what inspires you when you're getting ready to write? Do you write? Do you watch a rewatch a bunch of Lord of the Rings? What do you what what inspires you? What fantasy do you like to watch on TV or movies?
1: Um, honestly, my favorite fantasy to watch is called Humanity. I I watch people and I eaves all the time. If I'm sitting next to you, you know I'm listening. I will be eavesdropping on every conversation around me. That's where I get inspired. That's where I get my ideas. I might hear somebody who will say something like, um, "Yeah, you know that that deal we did on—I don't know—the phone deal we did didn't didn't go through." And I'm like, "Was it really a phone deal? Is phone deal really his way of saying the body they dropped somewhere? Where would they drop it?" And then I go like that. Like, where is the best place to bury somebody here? Why are they burying somebody? And then I create these huge backstories for them, and then those find their way into my story, into my books. I love it. Yeah. My husband used to laugh at me, but now that he's getting into writing, he's starting to understand it of, oh, this is why, like, we'll be on a train. I'll look at him and I'll say, see that, that person over there? Okay, she's having an affair on her husband but not with another man. She's having an affair with a woman who's really a fae princess, that he doesn't know, and she doesn't know. And he'll just look at me and be like, okay. And that's my story. <laughs> that's my book. That's where I get inspired. Right. I find that when I'm watching, if I'm watching a movie or something, I don't want to copy it. I don't want to do the same thing. And like Lord of the Rings is so beautifully done, I don't even want right. to touch it. Let's just leave it how it is. So that's why I tell these
0: stories for people. Right. Well, and I love that you know, writer brain never it it never turns off. And like I was talking to another writer friend of mine, and we were talking about our cats. And her cat happened to be named Sophia, and my cat is Audrey. And I was like, <laughs> our cats are totally having breakfast at Tiffany's. And she's like, right? And they have parasols and little Coach purses and. We and have a whole pearl, backstory story for pearl our cats. Oh, right. Yeah, little like pearl little necklaces. Yeah. Uh-huh, their tails. Oh, their tails nice. are curled up in an updo.
1: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh
0: my god. Now I want to see that. It, right? And but I think yes. that when you're a writer, it happens and you don't even notice that is happening sometimes you know you just you dream things up oh, there's a backstory for your car and for your right
1: exactly and you know what's so funny to me is we were talking about the readers and, and some just don't like it i got on a, a plane recently i was flying back from houston from a, a, a conference and a retreat and the woman next to me had a sandra brown book and i like sandra brown um, and i said oh i don't think i've read that one is it good she's like yeah you know, and she told me what it was about. And she looked at my book, and I happened to be rereading um, Fatal Assassin so that I can write the next book because I had forgotten what happened because I'm old and my brain's like that. And she looked at the cover and she didn't know it was my book. And she said, Oh, I don't read fantasy. And I just kind of thought, Well, all books are fantasy because they're all fiction, they're all made up. But I understood what she meant. Right. And so I, I never told her that was my book because she was just adamant that, like, she is fully on board that somebody kills somebody and buries their body somewhere, does horrible stuff, and then they get caught, and it ends happy. That is her idea of a good read. And she just, when you put magic into it or dragons, it's unbelievable. And she just could not get (laughs) her mind out of that. (laughs) And I thought, she is so not my people. Because everything (laughs) to me involves magic and dragons. Like I look at the sky and I'm like, where's where the fairies? Where you know who's who's putting the stars up there? Where's Tinkerbell? You know things like that. That's the way that my mind works. And she was just right. so non fantasy. And it took me a minute to be like, there are people in this world like this. This is weird to me. <laughs> it's so not me.
0: Yeah. right i had a I had another fantasy author on the show a few weeks ago and it, it, I had never thought about fantasy that way, but she was talking about that on a in fantasy you can put on a stage um you know you can really see and examine um you know a moral compass or stuff like that that you when you put it in the real world, everything can get so complicated that you can't, you know, see the epic hero's journey like you can in fantasy. You know, you put it on a big canvas and there it is. And I yeah. I think that's a neat way to look at fantasy because it's true. It, we, you know, we're worried about our cell phone bill or whatever, but they have the whole weight of the world of humanity. I I always think of that Lord of the Rings where he says, you know, that that they're probably not going to win, but but They have to because that's what makes them human. They have to fight, you know, and you're like, oh, and that couldn't happen on the trolley in San Diego, (laughs) right?
1: No. Well, I don't know. I mean, look at the people on London Bridge. The guy had a narwhal. Oh, that's true. So, I mean, it does happen in the real world. I mean, that guy became a hero. I've even seen some little memes of him holding his little narwhal, Tusk horn, whatever it is called, and then a cape. And they're calling him Narwhal Man. Yeah. So, I mean, it does happen. You know, he didn't know if he would succeed or not, but he took his little Narwhal horn and was like, You will not hurt people.
0: And That's I right. That. I love that. Uh huh. Yeah. I agree. I, <laughs> uh, well, we are rapidly running out of time. So, before she cuts you off, um, it, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Where should they hook up with you?
1: Sure. Um, I am on Facebook a lot, so just look for Tamri Etherton and my website TamriEtherton.com and um, yeah, find me there friend me, let's chat and talk about books
0: Yeah, and everyone go out and grab a copy of Sunset She Fights, it has the green heroin and I know you'll love it Thanks so much for being on Tamri Thank you you. Thanks for joining us on BookLine Be sure to connect with us